Hello and welcome to Global Sanctuary for Elephants podcast, Global Rumblings. Global Sanctuary for Elephants, or GSE for short, is a non-profit organization with a mission to create vast safe spaces for captive elephants where they are able to heal physically and emotionally, often from very traumatic pasts. I'm your host, Nadia Mari, and I'll be taking you to the lush jungle of the Mato Grosso region in central Brazil, home of GSE's initial project, Elephant Sanctuary Brazil. Currently home to six female Asian elephants, lovingly referred to as the girls. Hello, welcome everybody. Thank you for joining us this year for our brand new episode of Global Rumblings. A lot has happened at the sanctuary, so let's head over to Brazil to say hi to Kat and Scott. Hello you two, happy new year. Hey Nadia, happy new year. Happy new year Nadia, how are you? I'm fine. Very excited about today's episode in which we will be talking about flying ramba over the Andes, but also a lot has happened at the sanctuary. So um, there are a few topics I'd like to touch on. Um, the fire, tell us about that. What to say about the fire? Um, clearly, this is a, we're in a new era of climate change, climate shift. And normally by this time of year, we have an abundance of rain and abundance of green foliage and fires are essentially no risk at all. Uh, and I think sometimes people are still functioning with old behavior patterns uh, based on that. Uh, but the air has been uniquely dry, not in the last couple of days. Uh, the last five days or so has been different. Uh, but things okay. were very, very dry a few weeks ago. And somebody was burning some debris, uh, burning down an old, burning an old building that had dismantled next to some wild brush that had been pretty dry, and they just lost control of it really quickly, and uh, it burnt. I guess in total, 80 hectares, approximately. Is that what we calculated? Something like 80 hectares on the back of the property. Uh, there was never a risk of it coming to the sanctuary. Uh, I mean, coming to where the elephants are is on the back of the property. Uh, there's still okay. a big valley, a big mountain, and then another valley before it gets to where elephants are. Uh, but we had a okay. lot of help and a lot of uh, local help, and with that, a lot of local media coverage. Uh, so oh. we wanted to let everybody know uh, that all was well, because we know that as soon as people hear on media coverage that there's a fire at the sanctuary, everyone's going to think the elephants are on fire. That was not the case. The elephants were perfectly <laughs> safe. They were far away. Uh, That's a nice did. way to put it. <laughs> but we did have a lot of really interested people and, and a lot of help. Community help was, was uh, just astounding. I mean, they were very quick to respond to help. And because we know there's fires that we have a bunch of stuff set up. We have fire breaks and we have a water tanker mm. and we have all these preventative measures. But this guy literally set the fire on our property border. So the second it went anywhere, it was on our property. Um, mm. But mm. And they're not like California wildfires. These are slow burning, low burning. You can usually walk right next to them. So I know some people when they hear a fire, at least even still when I hear it, I picture California and the huge blazes there. And it's not like that here. So um, thankfully it was green enough that it didn't go very far. And then we got a big rainstorm the next morning and that put about 95% of it out. And then the rest was out oh, by the next good. day. So yep. 
And you had great support from the firefighters as well. I read that they actually stayed a day longer or two days longer in Chapada just to make sure that everything was fine so they could intervene. So you are very um, well connected, it seems, as well. The elephants are loved by many people. And it's very convenient Aww. in those situations. It really is community-based. I mean, it is about the elephants for sure. People are very curious and very, very protective of them. But what we've seen in the last couple of years, because of the increasing number of fires regionally, uh, I think there has been more of a community approach to the response. You know, they are mm. jumping in faster. They are coordinating efforts better. The even with sometimes they, formerly with some of the logistics, it was tough with with lunches and and lodging and stuff. But now all that has just uh, amplified all the way around regionally. So is the rainy season very delayed this year? Because I've sort of mentally noted October starts, October, November, rain season starts and goes until, correct me if I'm wrong, March, April. So is it very late this year or is it just very intermittent? Nadia couldn't stay away from the weather. (laughs) 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 I'm not talking about the weather here. I'm not talking about the weather here. Sorry, John. It is fitting. It is fitting. (laughs) Uh, As you guys know, for those that have been listening, the rains actually came early this year, and then they dissipated. Yeah. No, they didn't dissipate. They just stopped. I mean, we had weeks with nothing, and it was like, oh, no, what's going to happen? Um, so right now we're on track for how it should be, but it's definitely, as you mentioned, the whole lovely global warming thing and the cutting down of the Amazon that was actually promoted over the last few years definitely seems to have Mm. had quite an effect, but Mm. on the bright side this week, we had an abundance of rain. Uh, it's actually sunny today, which we're really happy about. I think everybody's <laughs> everything enjoying Everything is it. wet. Uh, everything is saturated from the furniture to <laughs> uh, everyone's boots and clothes and uh, even the people the need elephants. to dry themselves out. The uh, but on the bright side of all that, they had a lovely, several lovely mud parties and the pond in Yard 4 is overflowing once again. Uh, so we should be getting some pond videos and photos here soon. Yeah, and it makes... Especially Giji and Maya, it seems, get super light when it rains. Everybody does in general, but those two seem to get a little extra silly, which is good because they like playing with each other. So, yeah, it just it makes for a really nice vibe. And we've had a lot of days where all five elephants have been hanging out for a long time, which is always nice to see. Yeah, I was catching up on my emails. I'm an Ellie guardian to all five elephants. It was very interesting to read about how you do mainly most of the footwork during the wet season or during the rainy season because their feet are much softer. And it was just really interesting to um, to also read about all the herd dynamics, you know, how the relationship between Maya and Guiji has changed. And Because I was wondering, she is a very young elephant, and um, I was wondering... Is she sort of being held back in her development because she's younger and the older ladies are saying, you know, slow down, teenager? So, so how, is the, how are the dynamics in the herd at the moment? Oh, my God, they're always changing. I mean, but they're, that's just a constant. You know, there isn't mm. ever really going to be a time where everything is status quo and nothing's evolving. But with Gijamina's age and her relationship evolution with everybody and then how that affects everybody else's relationship. I mean, there are fairly significant shifts that are going on now that will probably continue to go on for a good while. Um, Mm. But 
you can answer about yeah, her? You know, when you talk about development and slowing her development, you know, we, there's two, two stages of that. You know, one, we're talking about her normal chronological development as a young adult, but then we also, the overriding factor for her is not that. And the overriding for her is still the recovery from 23 years of nothing. You know, 20, okay. 23 years of, neg- of of sterile environment. And that's the growth mm. that we're seeing more than a 23-year-old elephant. We're seeing, you know, the reemergence of self, the, the rediscovery of self. And, mm. and the reality is she doesn't act like a typical 23-year-old. You know, we've talked about how emotionally she's closer to, you know, an 8- or 9-year-old, which oh. makes sense for how sterile her life was and what she wasn't able to do or express. So, I mean, there's a lot of maturity she's going to be going through over the next, I don't know, two decades. <laughs> but it's all it's all really nice to watch and super beneficial. Yeah, it's mm. as Kat said, it's changing all the time. But the relationship with Gisha is not the only relationship that's changing. It's changing with everybody. Sure. And that happens irrelevant mm. of having a younger elephant. You know, even if it was all older elephants, you'd still have the same thing. You know, again, okay. we're, we're talking about as we, you know, with recovery from trauma, that's not a two week process. <laughs> you know, that's not a two year process. Mm. That is a lifelong evolution. That's a lifelong, mm. you know, recovery. And even though we see a lot that happens in the first couple of years, you always see a constant growth, a constant evolution of individual, a constant evolution of friendships, not much different than our own, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. not much different even between, you know, the, the dogs and the cats that we have here, you know, um, we have two siblings that, you know, that were for a long time, anytime they were sleeping, they were in the same bed, you know, now mm-hmm. they prefer their own space a little bit more <laughs> unless it gets cold, <laughs> but that's just a, just a normal shift that happens with, with all of our friendships and, and relationships. And with each friendship, you know, it has that that impact that goes outside of that individual friendship. You know, Gijamina and Maya are really close right now. Gijamina is also really close with Bambi. Um, she's mm. fine with the other two. They just don't find her quite as entertaining as <laughs> <laughs> as Maya <laughs> and Bambi do. Um, but because of the, not just because of the friendship between Gijamina and Maya, but also with just Maya's general evolution, but her friendship with Gijamina and how much Gijamina likes being around everybody has also affected how much time Maya spends with everybody. So for the first time ever, we saw, and we posted the video of Mara putting her trunk over Maya's head and testing the waters a little bit with that relationship. And although Mm. they've been, they don't spend a lot of time together. They have been together side by side. Um, their relationship was evolving before Bambi's arrival and then kind of fell back after Bambi's arrival. But we've never seen Mara try to do anything that could be remotely construed as dominant. And it wasn't aggressive. It wasn't anything like that. It's just a behavior in the past. She was so insecure around Maya as far as dominance um, that she never would have done something like that. And the other day... No, Maya is much softer, much more open, much more malleable than she was before. You know, she definitely had that hard front when she, at the early stages of her relationship mm. with Mara, she was still going through her own adjustment post Gita's passing, you know, and her own adjustment as an elephant who had only been here for three or four years, yeah. you know, so she's still going through again, this lifelong recovery from trauma. And then added to that where Gita's passing. You know, mm-hmm. closed her off a little bit, but now she's much more open. She's much softer, much more malleable. 
much more vulnerable. Yeah. You know, see, you see that softness coming out. Uh, that's allowing allowing Mara to then open up on a different level for her with her. So all of those relationships have a ripple effect that kind of touch on everybody else's everything. And it's always, it's interesting to watch and it's nice to see. Yeah. So at this point, I think we're seeing, like you said, with the rains and stuff, we're seeing a lot more time with all five elephants. Um, not necessarily all five standing side by side, right on top of each other. Although we've had that as well with Gijamina, who isn't great with boundaries, just walks right into the middle of the pile of elephants because <laughs> she thinks that's where she belongs. Um, she definitely brings that element of levity to them also. also oh, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, her age is definitely it. Although sometimes some of the Powerpuff girls are like, oh my God. Um, they're also is a renewed energy that comes when you have an elephant that age. So there is definitely a lightness that is newer with her. Um, again, seeing more of the elephants spending more time together and then just shifting dynamics in general with, you know, things like Bambi always in the past having been with Hana and Mara, but now she's fine to go off with Maya and Giji, you know, and walk away from the other two. And it's, Again, it's this this constant evolution that only comes with choice. You also had a, a year-end fundraiser, the Wild at Heart fundraiser. You are a 501c3, a non-profit. So how did that go? It went pretty well. Um, please don't ask me for numbers <laughs> because I will not be able to give you any. No, it went you well. You your goal. Yeah, the weird thing about end of the year fundraising for nonprofits is 60% of what you raise in an entire year is raised at the very end of the year. And some of it in the U.S. has to do with taxes. Others just happens to be, you know, December ends up being just a very giving time for most people towards each other, towards organizations, whatever it is. So it ends up being a little intense, at least in my opinion, for nonprofits, um, especially if you have to deal with the money side of things, which I personally don't like doing, but it is a necessary evil. Um, we do need money to take care of the elephants. <laughs> yeah. I think when you talk to most people who run small nonprofits and you ask how the holidays were, it's always a stressful time because it is the biggest time of giving. There's a lot of communications. There's a lot of work. There's a lot of, you know, it's, it's you're trying to balance the normal family celebrations and the necessity that 60% of your money is coming in the next two weeks, you know, so it ends up being a bit of a challenging time. But it's all good. The numbers look good. That is considered successful as far yeah, as I can I mean, see. The, the support is always amazing. There's no end to the amazement that we have with how strong our relatively small group of supporters is. And you know, one mm. thing we really need to push for the organization is to continue to expand continue to get more people involved to help people more people understand who we are uh, asking people to share asking people to you know even buy gifts for others you know i know we're past the giving time but you know for birthdays and stuff you know donating a the purchase of or adoption of an elephant so people start to understand more about the organization because it is those numbers that make everything possible and uh, those that are donating following right now i mean it's a, a small very mighty mighty group uh, and we need to expand that so we can keep moving forward and keep growing and keep expanding. But That's fantastic. Well, thank you to all supporters. And uh, this isn't a video podcast, but uh, you two can see I am holding up our Sip Rumble Repeat um, podcast mug, which is available on your new merchandise store. So it's uh, maybe a great way in a meeting. 
while you have Zen moments and just sip, rumble and repeat, your colleagues can look at the podcast logo. So that's a great way of, uh, of sharing the word as well. Um, so, yeah, th thank you for the update on the, on, on the sanctuary, on the fire. Luckily, uh, I hope the, the neighbour has learned his lesson. But um, I don't know about that. We'll, <laughs> we'll be optimistic, <laughs> but uh, it is. He is. Um, yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll be watchful of him. <laughs> well, good that everyone is safe, and that the elephants are safe, all the humans are safe, and for the great support you had from the community and also from the firefighters, we can then head on, and you can tell us about Ramba's last part of her of her rescue journey when she was flown out of Chile over the Andes to the sanctuary in Brazil. We left off in the last episode with all the paperwork being in place and all the tests and all the health requirements, everything was done. So how do things unfold from there? You'll have to remind me uh, because I am, I do not have an elephant's memory. Did we talk about when we arrived for the final transport those last few days? No, 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 no. You, you do talked about how and um, what health requirements you need, blood okay. drawing, and how her team was, um, uh, well, very amazing with doing that, very fantastic, um, because okay. they'd never worked with elephants before and over the years had learned how to care for an elephant. So all that was in place. But you hadn't arrived yet, and the transport crate, I think, wasn't there yet. So, yeah. Okay. So that was probably going to be the next logical step in the journey because of, you know, once everything's in place, is arriving for the transport arriving with the crate, um, yeah. doing final checkups, make, getting the final paperwork. Um, even though it had all been signed, it wasn't in our possession anywhere. Um, yeah, we have learned here that until you physically have a signed document in your hands, that nothing is 100%. So I know everybody's like, no, it's fine. You're here and this is going on. It's like, no, it's it is not fine until it is really fine. And some of those documents okay. you can only get three days before transport because they have a very short expiration date um, here in Brazil and in Chile. It's the, the final transport document and it is required and you just never know what little wrench might appear, <laughs> you know, in the works that decides that that paperwork can't go through for some very strange reason. Uh, we've had some transports here in Brazil where that paperwork only came at the last minute as well. And it was, you know, when you first you know, arrived in the town to move the elephant and you go to do the paperwork and they say, yes, everything's fine. And then the next day, two hours later, they say, oh, sorry, we need one more thing. But that person's out of town and won't be here for 10 days. You know, um, you know, that didn't happen with Ramba, but that has happened. And yes. we've been able to work through all of those, but you just never know. So mm. uh, arriving there in Chile uh, was fabulous to see her. It was uh, nice to be back. Nice to see the team. Uh, the crate arrived with relative ease. Yeah, but the only unfortunate thing with getting there was seeing the condition she was actually in. Yes. And that was a big element. Okay. Um, the thing, and this happens with people, this happens with dogs. You know, when you see somebody day in, day out, sometimes you don't notice changes as they happen. You know, it's very yeah. different seeing somebody every day than when you haven't seen this elephant six months a year and you show up and you're able to lay eyes on them and how evident it is. And we see pictures yeah. of her all the time, but it's very different to see, you know, what her energy is like as far as being tired, how she hangs her head, how she's moving, so on and so forth. So one of the big surprises, and we knew, 
again, Ramba has had kidney disease at that point for seven, yeah. eight years. I mean, we know she's not healthy, but Scott was still a little surprised when he showed up and saw how she looked. The first Negatively couple, surprised. The first couple of days were hard. And I think we even okay. talked about it in some of the podcasts. Now the podcast, the, the live feeds at that time mm-hmm. of how she was doing, mm-hmm. you know, because we were pretty straightforward. We were pretty honest about, you know, that journey. And, and she, she looked rough. Her energy level was okay. really low. How she was holding her head was very low. And, you know, on that first day, if we had to have, if we were in the place of moving her on that first day, we would have said no. Uh, her energy oh, level wow. was just really, really, really low. Um, and with that, because at low energy level, she wasn't engaging as much with the container. She wasn't responding as much to food motivation like she had in the past. So everything was was far from ideal. Uh, it was really cold oh. and dreary and rainy. Mm-hmm. Um, and that didn't help her at all. Uh, yeah. So even with the... Uh, she would go into the crate at night <laughs> when no one was around. Um, <laughs> Which... Somehow it was not remotely shocking for Ramba, but... <laughs> but when we were there during the day, she wasn't going in the crate. Um, it was cold and windy, and she would just go into the barn where her heater was and try to warm up and just get away, away from the rest of the world. Yeah, so it was a and little bit rough. we have a plane to catch, huh? We have a plane to catch. And, yeah. and that's one of the most difficult things is for road transport, I mean, like Bambi. You know, Bambi wasn't ready to be closed into a container and hit the road so yeah her dates were changed i mean we were willing to change her dates by you know a month six weeks whatever it was going to take thankfully that did not happen yeah. but with a plane you can't do that i mean you she doesn't make that plane you are out multiple hundreds of thousands of dollars and as a small organization that's not something we have laying around so there was definitely a pressure but there was also the pressure of if we don't try now, is there going to be another option? You know, it just, you know, it was a conversation of Ramba's not long for the world. It's like, what do we do? You know, do we What's move her, her knowing she's not doing well? Do we try to boost her up and see how strong we can get her for the relocation? Do we not move her at all? Um, knowing that essentially everything everybody's been working for for decades at that point because Chile had been working on her re- her getting her out of the circus for years before we were involved um, mm. and that was right up until the last day uh, that was probably going into the transfer was the most tired I've ever been because of three or four days prior of not getting a lot of sleep because of preoccupied with her the day before mm. the transport uh, was at 2.30 in the morning uh, uh, Florencia uh, mm-hmm. showed up with uh, Laura, uh, who was a veterinarian at Elephant Sanctuary Brazil at the time. And she, uh, Laura was going to be there for the transport, and she was bringing some extra supplies for the trip. And she ended up getting stuck at the airport <laughs> going through customs and immigration. So she was delayed getting there. That's what happens when you bring up a, a uh, bag full of drugs. Medication. And, no? Yeah. <laughs> so, Even though it all has the appropriate paperwork and everything was fine, it, did it definitely caused the delay. Everything I talked about before with all the authorities, everything was aligned, but yeah. it still ends at last minute. And to, to bring go back a little bit, when the transport crate got there, we are ready to everyone's ready to unload the transport crate the cranes there the trucks there and they said no you can't 
they failed to do one of the inspections at the border crossing. We need to send somebody there. Okay, when that's going to happen? In two days. Well, we don't have two days. We have today. Uh, so they ended up. We ended up. They showed up a few hours later. Uh, when they showed up, they asked us to open up two boxes, two boxes, two of the toolboxes to show them what was inside of them. Can you show me item number 15, X, wrench number Z? Because and we have to inventory everything. I mean, it's... Oh, really? It's, oh, you're going from one country to another, so everything has to be labeled. Everything has to be inventoried. You need the weights. I mean, it's ridiculous the first time you do it. You need the weight of this chain. You need the weight of a hammer. You need... It's a lot of paperwork. So we waited for a few hours and they asked to open up two different toolboxes and look at and show them that two of the tools that are on the list were in there. And they, okay, now you can move forward. But they seal it. So if we did anything, they would have known that. So literally the crate just had to sit there waiting for this person to show up. And we ended up losing that whole day of yep. uh, acclimation for her to, uh, to acclimate the crate because by the time that was done, it was at the end of the day and we still needed to cut the fence, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So on the last day, uh, the last day before the transport, uh, we were there with Florencia and Laura at 2.30 in the morning, and Florencia saying, are we doing the right thing for Ramba? Mm. Should we just stop the transport? And, you know, at that common time, we had the honest conversation again is we're not ready to make that decision. We're still moving forward. Mm. We still have a whole other day uh, at any point. Even before she gets on the plane, we could be on the road, on the way to the airport, and decide she's not doing well, let's go back to Park Safari. But first things first, mm. let's get through tonight, let's see how she is tomorrow, and let's just see how it all goes. But part of that conversation, and it is a very honest conversation, and it was a conversation that went on with everyone that was involved, from the lawyers to the veterinarians to the caregivers, um, I think even some of the politicians, was... There is a possibility with how she looks right now that she could die during transport. I mean, we have to mm. acknowledge it. We have to talk about it. We can't be in denial. She is old. She is not well. You know, you're not talking about a six-hour transport. It's multiple days. And we have to put that out there to make sure people understand when we're making the decision of how do we move forward with her? Do we take her? Do we leave her? That the honest... Um, conversation really has to be had and that has to include the fact that she could die and but with that conversation it's not only could she die in transport because it's not going to be the transport that would kill her she could die at any moment sure she could die there before mm -hmm. we even get her in the transport container sure. she could die two days mm -hmm. later i mean this is how elephants go sometimes that with elephants <laughs> with wild animals they mask a lot they hide mm -hmm. a lot of their suffering until right at the end you know, and you and the fact that we were seeing so much of what was going on with her was definitely, I would say, Shopping. not a good sign. It was definitely an indication that, again, she wasn't long for the world and anything could happen at any point. And people had to be people had to be comfortable with the fact that if everybody was supportive of moving her and she did die on the road, that. You know, everybody had stood behind that. And the reality mm. of it was that when the discussion was had, as long as she looked remotely strong enough to go, everybody wanted her to go. And it was that, you know, even if she is with other elephants and in the presence of other elephants, can smell them, can hear them, even if she doesn't get to meet them or touch them, to have that 
even for an hour, if that was all she was going to get, everybody felt like that was enough. And all of the politicians, mm. all of the authorities, all of they all said the same thing on those days. They all said, we're here for her. Her future is a sanctuary. We're all moving forward in that direction. Hmm. So how did you get her in the crate then? We'll have to wait for it. Was the, so cold, we'll and she was in the heat. <laughs> well, we're gonna have to wait for the next episode on that one, because I know <laughs> no, you all leave. love cliffhangers. <laughs> <laughs> so with that, you're gonna have to join us in two more weeks to find out what happened with Ramba next. <laughs> like everything with Ramba, it wasn't straightforward. Um, she definitely has a mind of her own, and it's one of the most charming things about her. She is that label we sometimes use of stubborn grandma and it is one of absolute absolute love and affection when we use it um it is it is a joy to know that after essentially 50 years for most of these elephants of doing everything they're told to and not being able to make any choice being able to see their personalities come out them being able to say no and have it honored and how spunky that makes some of them is one of the most charming things that happens with some of these elephants. So when we say she's a stubborn grandma, that is a statement full of love. Um, she was, she was something. She was something. And it was also, I will say one of the most beautiful days we had in Chile. Oh, well, she did surprise us when you, um, rescued her in the episode from the circus, and uh, with the with the mayor, not with the mayor, with the major tapping on his watch, letting you know if you don't rescue her now or if she doesn't get into the crate, that's it. And then suddenly she says, OK, in I go. So what a very unexpected podcast. I'm sorry, listeners. I did not know that we were going to have our first podcast of the year ending on a cliffhanger. <laughs> I guess we can say that that it's, it's a rumbo rumbo uh, tend to re- tended to repeat history. Let's leave the drama to the end. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, it was lovely catching up with you after our after our break, after our nearly five weeks not talking to you. What have you got planned for the rest of the day? Oh, I have to think about that. <laughs> I have <laughs> to go and look at a million more CVs. We are hiring a new social media person. Our lovely Jana is oh. leaving. She's crying about it. Everybody's crying about it. It's for a good reason. Um, She's not getting another job, but um, we do have to, I can't say replace her because we've known her for years now and she definitely is not replaceable, but um, we do have to fill that position. So we have like 170 applicants, which is very nice in some ways and horrific in others. So that is what I will be spending my afternoon doing. Another dream job up for grabs. Totally. And, I, and I, Scott, what about you? I have to go back in. We have to do some stuff with some of the wildlife. We have two baby anteaters. And after all the rain, we have to replace some of the bedding and stuff in their enclosure. So I'll be doing that. And then elephants. Oh, oh another cliffhanger. We had last time we talked about the mother anteater and her baby. But now you have two more anteaters. So, so sorry, listeners. Definitely a, a cliffhanger for elephants, a cliffhanger for anteaters. Okay, so next time when we catch up, we'll go straight into talking about the current wildlife before we find out how Ramba got into the crate and was flown over the Andes. So thank you. Lovely catching up with you. And uh, until next time, take care. Thank you, Nadia. It's always a pleasure. Bye. 
So that's all we have time for this week. And yes, I apologize for the cliffhanger. But if you enjoyed the podcast, and I hope you are, and we hope you are, um, subscribe and leave us a friendly rating and a review and hit that bell notification to make sure that you catch up with us again in two weeks' time. And until then, take care and keep rumbling. Bye. Oh, 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 oh.